Tonight I'll be preaching from the book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, and I'll be reading from verse 19 down to verse 21. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 19. The Bible says, And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for the great salvation that you have afforded to us. The Lord, we are thankful that you would love us so much that you would send your son to this earth to die on a rugged cross to redeem us, the Lord, to bring us back to buy us back to yourself. Dear Lord, we are humbled by your love, and we pray, dear Lord, that as you continue to demonstrate your love to us, that you would draw the hearts of lost women, men, boys and girls everywhere, and that those of us who name the name of Christ, that we would be ambassadors, light and salt, to see your kingdom built one heart at a time. Thank you once again for your goodness. As we look into your word tonight, give me the words you'll have me to say. May they be a source of encouragement and strength, challenge as well, as we seek to be more like you. Take full control have your divine way, and we'll be able to give you the praise, honor, and glory. That's dear holy name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. The movie entitled Catch Me if you can, is a 2002 American biographical crime film based on the autobiography of Frank Abagnale, who allegedly, before his 19th birthday, successfully performed cons worth millions of dollars by posing as a Pan-American World Airways pilot, during which time he forged Pan-American, Panam rather, payroll checks. Soon his forgeries were worth millions of dollars. When he figured he could no longer do that, he then posed as a Georgia doctor, having never ever gone to medical school. When he figured that time was over, could no longer do that, then he posed as a Louisiana parish prosecutor. This movie, amazingly based on a true story, illustrates that these fraudulent impersonations were possible because of a lack of mechanisms and strategies to effectively authenticate individuals who might make, to put it mildly, inaccurate claims. The inability to properly authenticate led to losses of millions of dollars and many people being fooled and, in other words, being taken for a ride. Authentication is important in order to give validity to a claim. It's important in living the Christian life to not only be able to say that we are Christians, 
but to be able to authenticate that we are. You see, my friends, we are ambassadors of the truth. We are bearers of the truth. And as such, it is absolutely necessary and critical for the believability of our message that our walk matches our talk. When these things match, we then are able to provide authenticity to who we say we are. Nothing hurts the name of Christ, in my opinion, more than a person who professes to be a Christian, but simply by their life does not provide authentication. It hurts the work of God. It hurts the name of Christ here on planet Earth. In the book of 1 John, of course, an epistle written by the Apostle John, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, you would notice if you read this entire epistle, which is fairly and relatively short, that John addresses the importance of being distinctive in one's Christian walk, in standing out in a way that represents the Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter 3 of this epistle, he gives what I call a number of authenticated practices. In other words, a number of things that, that ought to be distinctive in the life of a believer. Some practices that would cause a person who doesn't know Jesus Christ to look at that person and say, you know what? That person has to be a Christian. That person has to be a child of God. No other conclusion makes sense. My friend, that is authentication. We've been looking at this series of entitled The Christian Signature. Why would I name it such? Why? Because there are some things about a Christian's life that ought to be distinctively unique that says to any person, that is a Christian. That's what a signature does. And so we've observed thus far that a child of God would love the brethren. Amen? Love is of God. Love comes from God. God himself is love. And in giving us a divine nature, we are going to have that characteristic that we love as well. We're speaking of an unconditional love, an agape love, that God could say to us, love your enemies. That has to come from God. We saw as well that a child of God will desire to live a holy life. Peter says, as speaking, of course, on behalf of God in his epistle, God speaking says, be what? Holy as I am holy. My friend, even though it's 2021, God still expects his representatives to live a holy life. If we're going to love the brethren, we're going to live a holy life, mark it down, you will be loathed by the world. In other words, you're going to be hated by the world. Why? Because uh, Satan is a little G.O.D. of this world and we are in a spiritual war. 
Don't expect the world and its systems and its representatives to give you a round of applause. Why? Because we are on opposite sides. We're going to be loathed, hated by the world. But a child of God, in following the example of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, is going to have a desire to lay down his or her life for others. Because of what we've been privileged to receive by way of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross so that we can have life and have it more abundantly, my friend, there's something that is done in your heart that wants to reciprocate that for others as well because of what we have received. And then most recently, we have been looking at the fifth authenticated practice that a child of God is going to have a desire to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen? And we've been looking at this in the verses read, and we'll be looking at this in the following verses as well, beginning in verse number 19 of 1 John chapter 3. Last week, we began this and saw, first of all, we observed in being led by the Spirit of God, we're going to desire to have a spiritual conscience. A spiritual conscience. In other words, God has given with us, to us rather, uh, this mechanism, this, this device, so to speak, for want of a better word, that, that, that has a consciousness of what is right and what is wrong. But this conscience has a way of being impacted by its surroundings so that there are times where something might be wrong, but our conscience does not adequately alert us to such. And so we cannot always trust our conscience, but we ought to be led by the Spirit of God, which will cause our conscience to make decisions that are spiritual, in other words, in line with God's plan and God's program for our lives. Amen? A spiritual conscience, we observed, ought to govern our spirit. And in governing our spirit, it's going to guide our steps. You know, we have this phrase that we often say, Boy, something told me. Listen, God guides his people. God gives wisdom and direction and understanding in the decisions that we make from day to day. That's the kind of God we serve. But in order for us to adequately receive such direction, listen, we're going to have to be in the right place spiritually to be able to hear his voice. And so we'll continue looking at this matter of the conscience. And I want you to observe with me tonight that a spiritual conscience, note with this, is sharpened by compliance. It is sharpened by compliance. In other words, when it comes to having this conscience, which is going to be able to hear from God, which is going to be sharpened to the things of God, it is made more keen. It is made more aware when we are obedient to what God is saying to us. Amen? So critically important. And I'm, we're going to look at a number of passages tonight. I don't know how far we'll get. We're not going to rush through it. But I want you to observe three things as we 
observe these various passages when it comes to being able to be sensitive to the things of God, sensitive to what God is saying, sensitive to what God is guiding us away from, sensitive to what God is leading us to. That first of all, we must yield to the Holy Spirit. Amen? We must yield. Secondly, we must listen to what he's saying. Yielding is to give him control. Put him on the throne. Let him call the shots. Then you listen to what he's saying. Be attentive. And then thirdly, when you hear what he's saying, you obey. Three simple steps as to how your conscience is sharpened. It is sharpened by compliance. And so we can look at a number of passages that bear this out here tonight. Turn with me, first of all, to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And verses 12 down to verse 23. A very important passage in the word of God to help us to understand how do we come aware? How do we grow in our spiritual walk? How do we hear what the Holy Spirit of God is saying to us? Look at verse number 12. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal bodies that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. From the very beginning, we cannot harbor an environment that sin is just prevalent. It says, therefore, let not sin reign. Let it not just dominate and just overrule every aspect because then we are, we are hindering the working of the Holy Spirit of God. Verse number 13, it says, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but... Yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. My friend, there has to be a decision made, a conscious choice that I am going to let God have control, have his way in my life. Notice that there's some kind of yielding that's going to take place. You're either going to yield control to sin or you're going to yield control to the Savior. Verse number 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Look at verse number 16. Know ye not that to whom ye, what? Yield yourselves servants to obey. His servants ye are to whom ye obey. Whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. This verse clearly points out you're going to yield some way, somehow. But your success or failure is linked directly 
to who you decide to yield to. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but he have what? Obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. And because of that obedience, because of that surrender, it says, being then made what? Free from sin, he became the servants of what? Righteousness. Here it is. This was just a switching of who you're going to serve, who is going to be your master. You yielded uh, from, from, from serving uh, sin uh, and now serving the Savior. And so the results came from being a slave to sin to being a servant of righteousness. Verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. Understand that our flesh does not have the ability to do its own thing. For as ye have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants to righteousness, unto holiness. You're going to serve somebody. For when ye were the servants of sin, look at it, ye were free from righteousness. When you were serving sin, you could not do right because sin was the slave master. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye were now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have switched your allegiance. You're still a servant, still a slave. Ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. What a blessing. And that familiar verse that we often quote, for the wages of sin is death. It gives a contrast. If you're going to serve sin, the end is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, when we sharpen, when we obey, when we yield, when we listen, when we obey, God gives us the power to overcome sin and to be sensitive to his voice. Let's look at another passage in Galatians chapter 5 which is a good follow-up good segue to the passage that we just read. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 look at the admonition of the apostle Paul this is if he's giving a conclusion based on the establishment of a particular argument. He says in verse number 16, this I say then, consequently, therefore, walk in the what? In the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
Once again, he, there's a contrast. If, if we're going to be sharpened by compliance, if, if, our, if our conscience and our spirit is going to be yielded and uh, surrendered to God to do what is right, there has to be a willingness to be able to walk in the spirit so that you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Look at the con- continual contrast. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are what? Contrary the one to the other so that he cannot do the things that he would. But if he be led of the spirit, he are not under the law. You see, my friends, when it comes to this matter of being led by the spirit, you have to go all the way. This tiptoeing in one end and the other end, it just does not work. You see, when you walk in the spirit, what happens is that it results in, in you having a desire to do what the spirit says and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It, it, what you are actually doing, you're handing over control. You're yielding to the spirit. It's kind of like this. There are two vehicles, two paths, two destinations. One vehicle is the vehicle of sin. One vehicle is the vehicle of the spirit. You're going to enter one vehicle. The vehicle of sin is going to take you in a particular direction. When you enter that vehicle, understand you are a passenger and not the driver. You are not in control. You will go where that vehicle is taking you. You will go where the driver is deciding to go. You will go whatever route he decides to take you. And so if you're going to jump in the vehicle... With the spirit driving, the destination is righteousness, holiness, life abundantly, life everlasting. If you're going to jump in the vehicle with sin driving, don't expect a destination of righteousness. Sin does not go there. That's not his top. That's not where he's going. So you have to determine which vehicle you want to jump in. You don't jump in a bus headed to Rollins and tell the passenger you need a stopover in cotton ground. That's not where he's going. Amen? Let's look at one more passage in closing tonight. Acts chapter 24. And verse number 16.
You see, my friend, this matter of a spiritual conscience being led by the Spirit has to be a practice that we are willing to continue, a practice that we are willing to engage in day after day after day. I'm not talking about maintaining your salvation. Thank God that salvation is all of God and not of us. But we are talking about being led by the Spirit, being sensitive to His leading, being sensitive to His prompting. We're talking about sharpening that sensitivity. Remember, we established that it is sharpened by obedience. It's sharpened by compliance. It's sharpened by yielding to his will day after day after day. That is why you can have a child of God who who decides that he or she no longer wants to listen to the word of God, no longer wants to to obey what God is saying, and you find them, uh, uh, as it were, on the trash heap of sin. Because it is a continuous process to be led by the Spirit. That's why we are admonished, quench not the Spirit. Don't grieve him. But let's look at Acts chapter 24 and verse 16. Look at what the Apostle Paul says. And hearing, do I what? Exercise myself. Exercise myself to have always a conscience. Look at this. Void of offense toward God and toward what? Men. We understand this concept very clearly. The Apostle Paul, by using that word, exercise myself, helps us to understand that you cannot just rest on your laurels from exercise that you did uh, 20 years ago and figure you're going to stay in the same place. Just like our physical fitness is not going to stay constant based on exercise that we did 25 years ago. Amen? Amen? If you want to maintain that level of physical fitness, uh, you better be doing something in the present rather than relying on some things that you did in the past. Those bulges are going to tell you about it. (laughs) You're going to have to work on it in the present. Pastor wasn't throwing any shade, all right? I was just preaching the Bible. I was trying to help you the analogy of exercise. Let's get back to the spiritual exercise. Since I may have offended some. The Apostle Paul says, I exercise myself, meaning that there's a daily, a continual process. To always have a conscience void of offense. In other words, to have a conscience that's sensitive to hear from God. I have to continually be obedient to what he's saying to me. And so a spiritual conscience is sharpened by compliance. You want to have a conscience that is sensitive to the things of God? Sensitive to hearing from God? 
yield that throne of your life to him. Let him be on the throne. Let him sit there. Let him have the authority to tell you what to do. You got you to gotta put him there. And when you put him there, listen to him. When he's there, he's going to tell you something. He's not, he's not a figurehead. He doesn't just go there and sit down and look nice and pretend. He's going to call out some things that need changing. He's going to call out some things that need removing. He's going to call out some things that need embracing. And then when he says what you ought to do, obey. And when you do that, you understand his voice. As we think of this matter of being led by the Spirit of God, I thought of this analogy. A musician, especially one who plays by ear, has to literally train his or her ear to understand and to detect accurately sounds, scales, chords. Believe it or not, you're not just born with it. And in order to be able to train your ear, you have to continually listen and detect. You hear a chord, and the more you hear it, the more you're able to identify precisely what quality of chord that is. If you decide not to listen, then you won't train your ear. But the more you listen, the more you accurately identify when you now can detect movements. This chord moves to that chord. How does that happen? By intentionally listening. The more you listen, the more you train, the more you accurately identify and detect. It's a similar principle to hearing from the Spirit of God. The more you listen, the more you identify, the more you detect, the more you understand what he's saying to you. God wants to lead us. And a child of God, in authenticating his or her Christianity, what better authentication and to actively be led by the Spirit of God.